We're on the record. I'm Sheila Cass. Good morning. The Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, the, the federal government help many people still call food stamps, but is now SNAP, is about to shrink for the people who depend on it. In March 2020, extra SNAP benefits known as emergency allotments were started. They've been crucial for low-income Marylanders dealing with the financial hardships of the COVID-19 pandemic and the period of soaring costs that followed. The emergency allotments were never meant to be permanent, and that bump of extra assistance will end after the February 2023 SNAP benefits are issued. When that happens, other sources of assistance, like food pantries, expect to see an increase in demand. Here to talk about that possible scenario is Carmen Del Guercho, president and CEO of the Maryland Food Bank. Welcome back to On the Record, Carmen. Good to be back. Thank you for having me. Do you have a sense of how much of a cut each household will see in their food assistance benefits, or is it, is it a range of cuts? It's going to be a range of cuts. It's going to vary by household size, but most of the data that we've seen, Sheila, would indicate that on, on average, families will be seeing um, uh, a little over $80 on average across households. But there's some segments of the population, uh, in particular seniors, that seem to be those numbers that I'm reading are going to be much higher for them in terms of potentially as high as $250 a month in a reduction in their benefits. So it's across the board, depending on the household sizes, but it's it's meaningful. It sounds like a, a huge hit, even the smaller end of that range, for people who are depending on this to feed their families. Yeah, absolutely. And if you think about where we are in this current economic environment, right, in the, in the, in the price of food, what's happened to food and other services, you know, um, this is not, not obviously not the ideal time for this to be to cut back. And it's been in place for some time. So I think to some extent, you know, some of the recipients have accustomed to, uh, to having access to that for a long period of time. This is going to be a, a significant, uh, significant change for them starting next month. What does the end of emergency SNAP benefits mean for the Maryland Food Bank? How, how are you preparing for it? Yeah, we're, we are preparing for it in a couple of different ways. First, in terms of our response to the community and to our neighbors in need, you know, we're continuing to buy a significant amounts of food to make sure that our menu offering is robust as it possibly can be um, so that we do expect that as these benefits, you know, go away, these, these allotments go away, that um, there will be more demand on our network all across our state. So our first focus is on making sure our menu is as robust as it possibly can be. The other thing we want to do is begin to help families who are dealing with some of these cuts, right? And so um, we want to provide some support for them in, in a couple of different ways. One, you know, for those who maybe who don't use our food bank uh, pantry sites, um, we want to make sure they know where they can go to get access to food. So they come to our website and go to our find food page and see if there's um, they can access food uh, in their local communities and how, you know, the hours of operation of those local partners and such. So uh, providing access to places where they can go. And then also, hopefully, you know, providing some other uh, supports and benefits, if you will, to help them uh, determine whether, you know, they're taking full advantage of all they're, they are eligible for from a SNAP benefit perspective. So asking them to look at their situation, have to change dramatically from three years ago with regard to their income and their expenses, that might mean that they qualify for more reimbursement than they had in the past. The food bank has a SNAP outreach program. What What is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we have a we have a team of people who are uh, regularly uh, attending our uh, distribution sites, working with our partners to help people in local communities make aware uh, of, of SNAP and its benefits. Maybe uh, helping folks to uh, register for SNAP benefits, um, coaching them through that process. So our efforts are largely around making sure that people know that the program's out there and helping them navigate uh, the application process. And what have the outreach workers been hearing from families who are anticipating this cut? In benefits, 
you know, obviously a level of frustration, concern. We're also um, seeing, you know, more hits to our fine food page. I mentioned earlier, that's up like 400% for the first two weeks of February versus um, a year ago in terms of the number of people who are our site. Uh, we're getting more calls, uh, but there's there's a there's concern and frustration, and and I think people are now still trying to figure out, you know, how they're going to be able to um, to adjust. Who who gets SNAP benefits? What is the typical profile? Yeah, the typical profile are households of of, of varying sizes, but who have um, limited uh, income streams that that then would put them in a position where they might qualify for anywhere from, you know, anywhere from $25 to $900, depending on what their situation is. But it's a function of their expenses as well as their, as well as their household incomes. Um, and there's a number of families who are, you know, ha- having harder and harder time making ends meet who ultimately are, you know, qualifying for, for SNAP benefits. And when someone signs up for Maryland Food Bank Assistance, what does that include? Well, for Maryland Food Bank Assistance, you know, what they, there's no sign up. Um, basically, what they do is they find a site that we, uh, that we're one of our partner sites across the state. There's 320 of those. We we provide over a thousand different programs through those 300 uh, different organizations. Um, and so, uh, folks go to the site that's most convenient to them in terms of their location or hours, and uh, and then take advantage of this product and services that are provided at that local partner. Some partners provide, you know, mostly geared to food only, but other partners in, uh, are doing kind of uh, expanded focus to try to begin to address some of the root causes of hunger, which is a direction we're trying to go as a Maryland food bank, so that when we're feeding people, we're also having conversations about different ways that we can provide other supports, whether that be access to workforce development jobs, access to health care, access to child care, transportation, things that are causing people to have to come to our food bank. So uh, hopefully some of our partners they visit would be able to provide those levels of services as well. This is On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast, speaking with Carmen Del Guercio, president and CEO of the Maryland Food Bank. We're talking about the end of emergency allotments paid by the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, SNAP, next month, and how the nonprofit is gearing up to support thousands of Marylanders who will be affected. Less than two months ago, on December 31st, the Maryland Food Bank's pandemic grant that provided $40 million worth of free food to about 330 local Maryland organizations, that grant ended. How, how are your partners shoring up that loss? Yeah, I mean, clearly it's something that we, uh, we, had been, we carried for the better part of um, well, nearly three years as well um, and spent significant, of our significant dollars uh, to make sure that we had uh, as much access to food as we can. But it was just an unsustainable model for us, frankly, as funding kind of went away post, uh, post-pandemic. It was over $40 million worth of food that was provided. And so um, post-December 31st, we've seen a steady flow of of uh, product continuing to go out. And so our partners seem to have adjusted very well to that uh, to that change. And I think hopefully the advance notice that we provided, you know, how allowed them to prepare so it wasn't like quite like what this is where it's something that's happening, you know, relatively short period of time. We started talking about this, socializing this back in March because we could see on the, the writing on the wall in terms of what we're going to be able to afford going forward. We've been talking about your partners and I haven't actually asked you what kinds of organizations you partner with. Yeah, it's a great question. They're in all shapes and sizes, Sheila. Some are, you know, some are faith-based organizations. Um, uh, some are other community organizations that um, that offer maybe a range of services. Like uh, it could be a meal, it could be access to a food pantry, it could be that plus other services as well. Um, so we um, we work with um, partners of all types, uh, all across the state. And again, the idea for us is to make sure that 
we are uh, leveraging the, the, the partners in, our, in those communities as much as we can, both in terms of helping them coordinate the hours they're open, for instance, so that they're not overlapping and essentially competing against each other, understanding the various services they provide so they can complement each other and the services they provide in a given community, um, and just sharing of best practices. So part of our job is not only to provide access to food, but also to um, kind of convene dialogues and, and introductions from one partner to a next in a given community so that, you know, they can uh, work together to provide the best service they can to their, to their neighbors. As you mentioned, the amount of support the Maryland Food Bank and, and other nonprofits like yours can lend is not infinite. How do you get at the underlying causes of why people in Maryland are hungry? We think we're uniquely positioned with our network across the state who are face-to-face with their uh, neighbors uh, every day, every week. There's a level of trust, there's a level of credibility that exists uh, with our partners and their neighbors that allows them to hopefully over time, you know, develop relationships and expand their conversations. So that is, as our as one of those neighbors might come to a pantry, we can expand they can expand the dialogue with them to better understand what their circumstance is. And then as we begin to understand that in a deeper way, we can introduce other nonprofits to our network. So I have that, you know, we have this conduit, this vehicle by which we can access people in need all across the state. And it's an, it's easy for me to be able to plug in, the Maryland Food Bank, to be able to plug in other service providers who provide, um, you know, can provide the, the, the level of supports that are necessary in that community. What we're trying to do is to understand the needs in the various communities because what the needs in Pocomo are going to be very different than needs in uh, Western Maryland, for instance. And so we really want to be very sensitive to understanding that in a deeper way so that when we're introducing a service, another service provider, that it's really relevant to the needs of that community. And it's not just uh, it's it's not just what we think is right. We want to make sure we're capturing exactly what that community needs. So we're trying it's really kind of person by person, region by region, partner by partner. But we think over time that's gonna put it put us in the best position to begin to address these uh, root causes in a deeper way. Carmen, the state government right now is pretty flush with money in part because of a lot of pandemic uh, subsidies it got from the federal government. Is anyone talking about the state of Maryland picking up some of this SNAP assistance? Yeah, I think there's been um, some advocacy work being done by a number of organizations to see if the state could kind of fill some of the gap that's going to exist here. Uh, we have certainly approached the state ourselves to uh, seek funding even prior to this uh, SNAP uh, allot- emergency allotment going away. Because again, we have seen these elevated levels of need um, coming out of COVID, and we know that um, you know level of purchasing that we're doing is is going to stay at a significantly higher level than it was pre-pandemic. So we're in constant communication with the state to see if we can continue to get some financial support. I know those other organizations who are advocating for you know perhaps a programmatic response, you know, uh, support to be provided around SNAP specifically, but um, so our hope is that with the new administration that some of those arguments will be heard and. Some of that funding could uh, could increase. I know Governor Hogan is in his last bill had allocated some dollars to food banks at a level that was equal to it was a year before. So our hope is that we could um, petition a new administration to uh, reconsider and maybe add a few dollars to that. Carmen, thank you. Thank you very much, Sheila. I appreciate it.
Carmen Del Guercio is president and CEO of the Maryland Food Bank. We've been talking about the end next month of emergency allotments paid by SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, and how the nonprofit is gearing up to support thousands of Marylanders who will be affected. Short break on the record. When we're back, a Baltimore Banner investigative reporter talks about the rising theft of SNAP benefits and what can be done and not done about it. I'm Sheila Cass. Stay with us. Welcome back to On the Record. I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking today about the end of emergency allotments to the Federal Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program, or SNAP. Beginning in March, each household will receive on average almost $100 less in food assistance per month. We just heard from the head of the Maryland Food Bank to learn how they're bracing for an anticipated increase in demand. And joining us now is Brenna Smith investigative reporter for the Baltimore Banner, online news site, and WIPR partner. Smith has reported in depth about the theft of SNAP benefits. Welcome, Brenna. Hi, thank you for having me. A story that you wrote last year about a SNAP benefit recipient, Renee Z, was recently the focus of a segment on This American Life. Tell us briefly what happened to Renee Z. Um, yeah, so uh, back in August, uh, Renee had about $3,000 of uh, SNAP benefits stolen from her. She had um, just recently had um, a, essentially a back pay of benefits given to her, which is why her balance was so high. Uh, she was erroneously kicked off from uh, benefits in the state. And so she had $3,000 stolen and she was not able to get any of her money back from the state like almost all benefit theft victims in the past year. Um, Right now, benefits theft is at a record high in the country and in the state. And um, she was basically determined to do whatever she could to try to get her benefits back. That resulted in um, me following along in her journey where we went to the various stores where her benefits were used and we obtained security footage of the same people using her stolen benefits to buy boxes and boxes of baby formula. Unfortunately, ultimately, despite appealing the state's decision to not reimburse her and providing the evidence to prove her benefits were stolen, she was still not able to get her benefits reimbursed. And she is far from alone. Thousands of Marylanders have been going through her same struggle and um, thousands and tens of thousands of people across the country as well. Let's make clear, how do SNAP benefits arrive to someone who's eligible for for them? What form were these benefits in? So prior food stamps were like actual physical pieces of paper. They were stamps. But now they're distributed on something called an EBT card, which is essentially a debit card. And the debit and the EBT card is something that people use not just for SNAP benefits, but also cash assistance, disability, even unemployment. And so it's a card that you use like a debit card. You can swipe it, you can use it at an ATM all that stuff. However, unlike the credit cards that we have, um, it doesn't have fraud protection services that will alert you if somebody is, that there's unusual activity on your card, essentially. You don't get those text messages from Citibank that say, press one if you spent $500 at a random target and or press two if it was fraud or whatever. EBT recipients don't have that. And they also don't have an EMV chip, which is essentially a way to help encrypt information 
um, from being stolen on um, essentially like ATM skimmers, which uh, scammers will put on top of card readers and ATMs to essentially copy down an information when a card when a card is used on it. So it wasn't that Renee's physical plastic card was stolen. The information was taken. Right. And you said this this kind of SNAP benefit theft is at an all-time high nationally as well as in Maryland. Yes, yes. Do you have any idea how many people in Maryland have lost benefits? I don't have a specific number of people necessarily, but I can give you a dollar amount. So in 2021, roughly $90,000 worth of benefits was reported stolen by welfare recipients. In 2022, that number skyrocketed to over a million and a half dollars. It's been an exponential increase. And is there a most common way this theft is carried out? Right now, law enforcement and uh, local DHS and federal uh, social services are saying that um, a lot of this benefits theft is uh, because of skimming, which is where scammers will put essentially a device over ATM machines or card readers that look the same as an ATM machine, look the same as a card reader, but really what they're doing is they're um, taking your information and copying it to then use on a later date. So they'll, you know, you'll use your EBT card if it's used on a skimmer. Uh, Skimmers can then print a duplicate version of your card with all the same information and then use the same funds on it later. That's Brenna Smith, investigative reporter at the Baltimore Banner. On the record on WIPR, I'm Sheila Cast. We're talking about the pervasiveness of theft of SNAP benefits, the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. I'm, I'm still trying to get my head around this situation that right now when people's benefits are stolen, they can't get them replaced, even though it sounds like it's a problem in the system, not a, a, a a problem of lax behavior by the recipient. Is that changing? Yes, it is changing. But let's backtrack for a second. So um, SNAP funds are distributed by the federal government. And it is written in federal law that they do not reimburse for stolen SNAP benefits. However, that does not prohibit states from reimbursing SNAP theft victims with state funds. But Maryland law is essentially mute on that, meaning that they are not required to reimburse people for SNAP benefits. And because it is not explicitly stated in state law that they must, they haven't been. And that is not unusual. Many other states, unfortunately, have the same laws. But some states are reimbursing, including, you know, not far from Maryland in D.C. Victims are getting their funds back in California as well. And so recently, though, in the omnibus bill passed in Congress at the end of 2022, there was a provision put in the bill that essentially will give victims of SNAP theft, specifically skimming, um, an avenue to get reimbursement through state funds. The federal government is requiring states to reimburse SNAP benefits. So states now have to go and submit a plan to the federal government explaining how they're going to go about reimbursing theft victims. Um, That being said, there's caveats. It only applies to people who had money stolen as of October, 2022. 
um, you only get two chances essentially. So if you get repeatedly stolen from more than two times, you don't get you don't get reimbursement beyond that. You are a member of a Facebook group for people who use SNAP benefits. How many people are in that group, and, and what are you hearing from them about the reduction in benefits, the end of emergency allotments that's coming up? Yes. So I found this Facebook group back in, I want to say, like, August. At the time, there were about 19,000 members of it. Now there is over 30,000 members of this Facebook group. And this is a Maryland-specific group? Yes, and this is just Maryland residents. Um, and basically, it's a group that was made to help you know other welfare recipients crowdsource and organize together to try to help better navigate the welfare system in the state. Um, and there are a lot of people who have been recently posting about the end of emergency allotments in February. Um, some people are posting about how, you know, amid record high inflation, amid a time where a lot of people, including people not on benefits, are struggling to pay for food, um, their benefits are about to be taken away completely or cut in half. And um, people are freaking out. I mean, this is going to really affect them, their families. And um, it's it's something that people really don't quite know what to do next. What else are you hearing? What other topics come up? Oh, I mean, there's a lot going on. This past year has been um, pretty rough for people who are getting benefits in Maryland in the sense that um, there have been issues of people staying enrolled to receive their benefits. And then um, when they are trying to re-enroll, um, there's just been a lot of um, issues getting forms and paperwork to the proper places because of delays in the U.S. Postal Service. So for example, um, if you have a phone interview to be interviewed to get SNAP benefits, which is very standard, uh, social services in the state will usually send a letter to people in the mail to say this is the date that your phone call is going to occur. However, a lot of people are experiencing such delays in receiving that letter that they will finally get the letter weeks after their phone call was scheduled and then you know they won't be re-enrolled in their benefits and these aren't people who you know just can you know go without these are people where every dollar counts where they depend on these benefits to get by and so to make up the difference people are relying more on food banks people are picking up extra work people are rationing food they're truly um, doing whatever they can to make ends meet because of issues that aren't frankly their fault. You know, in combination with benefits theft being on the rise and food being so expensive and staying enrolled in benefits is harder than it was before. Um, it's just been really, really hard for welfare recipients in the state. Back up for me, you said when they re-enroll. Mm -hmm. How often do people have to re-enroll once they've qualified for SNAP benefits? Right. So um, the state basically requires people to essentially every, you know, roughly six months or so, I believe, uh, resubmit paperwork to essentially prove that they are still eligible for food stamps or that they are still eligible for a certain amount of food stamps. So they require, you know, like proof of income, that type of thing. Um, during the pandemic, however, 
a lot of requirements about who can get food stamps, how often you have to re-enroll in it were lessened because a pandemic was happening and a lot of people needed assistance who maybe didn't before. Um, but as of 2022, a lot of those um, requirements that were pre-pandemic requirements were put back into place. However, a lot of the issues that we've all still been experiencing throughout the pandemic, specifically issues with getting mail on time and stuff, are still persisting. And so it's been a struggle for people who are trying to re-enroll in benefits after um, you know being on them throughout the pandemic to stay enrolled, also because a lot of welfare recipients are claiming that they have not had great communication or information given to them or provided to them by social services for them to know or be aware of when they're going to have to renew benefits or when they will be kicked off benefits and have to re-enroll and such. Brenna, thanks. Thanks for sharing your reporting with us. Thanks. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Brenna Smith is an investigative reporter at the Baltimore Banner. That online news source is a partner with WIPR. We've been talking about the prevalence of SNAP benefits theft and what's being done about it. We have a link to Smith's reporting at the On the Record page at WYPR.org. I'm Sheila Cast. Glad you're with us on the record. Come back tomorrow. 